All right. What's good, y'all? Welcome to the Onyx Report live show, which we do usually every Wednesday. I've uh, been a little in and out this last uh, period of time, but Wednesdays are our live shows. And, uh, you know, this is the Onyx Report, where we as black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. Hope all is well with you. Uh, let's see here. Get some things under control. Yeah, there we go. All right. So let's get through some of the house business, as it were. Y'all know the deal. Um, that's usually. Yeah, dang it. That's just my little setup today is a little off. And uh, not sure why. But there we go. So now that we got some of that together, uh, y'all know the deal. Like, share, subscribe, join and donate if you will support the channel. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can donate straight to the show uh, through Patreon, or you can support the Onyx Report and or the Institute for Black Male Studies. You can donate to Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. It's right there on the screen. You can also become a member uh, through YouTube, and there are a variety of levels of membership that each come with perks. So I highly suggest you take advantage of that. Nevertheless, if you can't do anything else, at least hit the like button and support the show so we can continue to bring you independent blackmail thought that is not sanctioned or approved by any entity or trend. It's about what we need to come, whatever conclusions we need to come to with the available data at hand um, and uh, being open to shifting that position of new data um, benefits us and explains something we missed. Either way, it is what it is. And the goal is to make sure that we are about uplifting black boys and men, right? So just trying to get through some of the preliminaries. Before I go any further, I do, however, want to thank my subscribers and supporters. So let me go ahead and do that. Hopefully everything goes smooth with it. out to my supporters much appreciate the support and i hope that it will continue and i will continue to earn your trust and support you know um see a few brothers in here already brother ron what's up majestic dardar what's going on brother rashid busy mike you know uh wildwood got golden child um yeah got a few of the brothers in here already um officer faulkner what's going on ray Amen. man what's up christopher andre ken uh jay moore yeah hope all y'all are well today we are broadcasting on facebook linkedin youtube uh twitch and twitter and last and far from least interlightradio.com which is black owned 
So support InnerLightRadio.com if you can. Go to the website, check it out, and listen to live shows all throughout the week. So we're getting it in. We're going to uh, jump in pretty quick, but I wanted to shout out Clarence, uh, who dropped a comment that was uh, particularly interesting. Just at the onset of the show, very much appreciated. It says, just wanted to express my extreme gratitude for your content and the commitment that it demands. Uh, you're valued and highly favored amongst brothers as a leading voice and guide. Much appreciated, sir. Thank you. Uh, buddy Yada, what's going on? Mark, what's up? So before we jump in, y'all know on the live show, uh, one of the things I like to do is acknowledge uh, the works of various black men. And this is an organic thing. So it just kind of depends on what crosses my desk on a given day. So that said, let me go ahead and bring up uh, our sacred black masculine series, something I haven't done in a while. But then again, I haven't done the live show in a minute. Um, and this is actually an old one. This is actually going back because it was something that somebody posted across my Facebook page. So some of you might remember this during Katrina, right? Um, said on September 1st, three days after Hurricane Katrina, 20-year-old Jabbar Gibson took an Orleans Parish school bus and transported 70 people on a 13-hour trip to Astrodome in Houston since their government would not. His bus was the first to arrive. So shout out to Brother Jabbar. You know what I'm saying? These kind of brothers, uh, if they get recognized, it's brief and then quickly forgotten. And then we hear accusations lobbed at black men in general about how we don't protect, we don't provide all of this bullshit. So anyway, I just wanted to shout this brother out, even though it is years after the fact, I think it's important that if no one else wants to remember the brothers that have laid it down, we at least should be able to do that. So shout out to brother Jabbar. Much appreciated. So Christopher, BGS in the house, um, you know, Quenos, it is what it is. So that said, we got an interesting topic, right? Something that uh, we've not dealt with specifically um, on this show before, but I thought it interesting because yet again, something ran across my desk. I thought we should uh, delve into it. Can men suffer from reproductive abuse? And I figured it would be good if I could actually have one of my good brothers come through and support the show uh, and give us his thoughts because around here on the Honest Report, we often can't wait to hear from certain brothers, most particularly, and this is one of them. So shout out to my boy, G with the PhD. What's up, Green Gorilla? Yeah? Not sure. Okay, I think that my voice on this? No. We're not hearing you yet. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, cool. Is, is my voice cracked up? Yeah, it's a little disruption in it. Is it still distorted? Uh, less so. Okay, it should settle down. Okay. Uh, am, I, am I clear? You're, you're a lot clearer. Okay, cool. Like Sorry about the air. Uh, coming back on your mic, though. Oh, okay. You can hear uh, a lot of air. No, I heard my own voice. I'm sorry about that. I don't know. Uh, hold on. Got to. Okay. I, I think you can hear your own voice now. Um, we'll see. No, no, I can't. Okay, so cool. cool. Good. How you been? Sorry man? about the technical difficulties. Oh, man. I can't say nothing. <laughs> as many as I've been having. 
<laughs> How you been, man? I'm I'm good, man. Just chilling, you know. I, I've been on a little hiatus for a minute. I'm about to go twelve toes in the next few <laughs> days here, man. I'm about to dive deep off into it. <laughs> Some things been brewing in the mind, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I just been, you know, sitting on the sidelines, just watching content as opposed to creating it. Y'all don't get it twisted. He's been polishing his his right boot. That's what I can tell you. That right uh, boot, you know, right hey man, polished and ready. <laughs> no, it's just you know, it's a lot of chicanery going on, man, and uh, social media, the real world, and uh, it's about time to weigh in. You know, I've uh, <laughs> I've held my tongue for long enough. <laughs> Shout out to Wrench Turner for the support. Um, y'all go ahead and support the uh, Green Gorilla channel. If you haven't been to the channel, check it out. Subscribe. You can hit the cash app at dollar sign G with a PhD. Uh, support the uh, Green Gorilla. Um, so, yeah, man, it, it's it's been interesting to say the least. It's been interesting to say the least. But Yeah, it's been real interesting, man. You've got a lot of things going on. You got people getting banned. Uh, you got therapists. Uh, you know, basically going off. You got uh, you got a lot of stuff. You got one YouTube creator who uh had a video ban while a white content creator's video wasn't. Mm. I mean, this is a lot going on, man. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. It's uh, you know, but it's always good to have the brothers come together uh, and respond. And lately, I've been noticing that there's been more of an ideological attack uh, on uh, particular areas of the manosphere and on black men uh, as a group. And so that said, uh, support your scholars, support the brothers that you want to respond when these things happen. Um, most particularly the Green Gorilla Channel, Dr. Ronald Neal, you know what I'm saying? BGS Ibmore, support the brothers who, who bring you the arguments uh, to help contextualize a lot of what's going on. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of those channels are nowhere near what they should be in terms of support. So please make sure you do. But uh, one of the one of the things you must be knowledgeable about is that, you know, the YouTube algorithm is not kind mm. to people in this space. Right. And. You know, the things we talk about, the points of discussion that we have are not in line with popular thinking. Mm hmm. And so, therefore, you know, you you know, if you want to see more content like ours, support it, not just by giving money, you know, but just by liking the videos mm -hmm. and sharing the videos. Right. You know, uh, but we're preaching to the choir because most of the people here watch the videos. And I don't know if they share the videos, but I know at least they like the videos. Mm -hmm. But you'd be surprised, man. You know, like sometimes you'll get a, a, a video this got sixteen to seventeen hundred views, and nobody likes the videos. They just watch them and don't like them. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, if we can get people to, you know, show more support just by means of doing the bare minimum, it would go a long way. Share it, tell people about it. Absolutely, uh, Michael. I appreciate that support. Thank you. So, um, but we're gonna go in on a topic and. Um, it was actually quite organic that uh, Gigi and I communicated just before the show and he was willing to pop his head in on something and I appreciate it because it needs to be. But I'm going to show you what started this, at least for me. 
Um, so this was a this was a post that somebody sent to me, and I do apologize. I didn't actually plan to do this until uh, fairly recently, and I, I didn't have a chance to go back into my Facebook Messenger and find the brother that sent it. So I do apologize. I, I wanted to shout you out, but I thank you nonetheless. Um, and so here's a post sent in the Manosphere, Manosphere 2.0 Rest in Peace Kevin Samuels page. Um, and it was written by one Kimberly T. And it says, men will sleep with and impregnate women they're jealous of to keep her from reaching her full potential in life. Yes, men use babies to keep you stuck and struggling. It's called reproductive abuse. Look it up. Now, before I go any further on that, any thoughts, Brother GG? Any Man, thoughts? Man, you got the morning after pill, plan B. You got abortion, which, you know, in some states is still legal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have the contraception, the pill, uh, you have nor plants, all this kind of stuff. You don't want to get pregnant, lady. You ain't got to get pregnant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just is what it is. You don't have to get pregnant. If you if you have a desire to fulfill an objective or to complete a goal, <laughs> the whole concept is, you know, you don't you have a you have a choice. You have options. Right. So, you know, this whole notion of, uh, you know, it, it can't be helped in a man's just going to pump a baby in you to keep you, to hold you down. I mean, w- which I'm one is it? You know, potential. Man, come on. And then, like, the whole black community, for real, man, like, you know, what, three quarters of the women are single mothers? <laughs> I, I mean, it ain't stopped nobody else. <laughs> so why is it stopping, you know? I mean, I, I thought they had all kind of plans and... uh policies and you know all kinds of help and support you know single mommies what's funny for me is all the all the different options you just mentioned in terms of birth control we're still rubbing sticks together for heat like we got a piece of rubber you could buy at a gas station liquor store and the pullout method that's what we got man they got all kinds of methods and this conversation about men uh trying to keep you from reaching your potential i i just find it incredibly interesting bruh and then you know like i can't speak to you know uh all men i you know i don't know all men's sexual practices but right for the most part you know like the the guys i you know i roll with you know come on bro like the last thing we want to do is have some miscellaneous lady pregnant. The last thing I would think of is getting a woman pregnant to hold her back. Like what that, what, what's that about to do? I just, you know, I've never seen it. Like my mother was a single mother. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, her and my father, you know, were cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, it didn't halt her progress in any way. Right. Right. I mean, she went on to get a master's degree in social work. I think she had that before she had me, but I mean, she practiced social work for 30, 40 years. Didn't mm-hmm. halt her, didn't, didn't, you know, she didn't miss a step, miss a beat because right. of my little ass. None, none whatsoever. So, and, and then also, you know, I, I just don't like the whole framing anyway because it's like, it's, it, you're, you're giving an account of babies as, you know, liabilities instead of blessings. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the kids you got, man, you, you should cherish and love those kids. Right. That's just my viewpoint. You know, I, I that's just my view. 
You know, but it just it, but what bothered me about this particular post is it was yet again another misandrous post, uh, you know, attacking men, on and and using very strange logic. I I even got into a debate with a woman in the comment section that tried to come in and say, "Oh yeah, I've heard of this," you know, and she was trying to say, you know, men and women do this to each other. And I was like, "Hold up, this is not something that is commonly talked about." You know, I've not heard men in the locker room talking about how they're going to get a woman pregnant to hold her up and make sure she doesn't reach her potential. And I'm not saying that there aren't men that do that, but let's not pretend it's common. And and, and my immediate response to this on Facebook uh, was, you know, so I read the post and I, re- I said, uh, is it still abuse when a woman lies about birth control, gets pregnant and uses the baby to tie herself? to an in- income or future income, she thinks you may have the potential to earn. Because I've seen that far more than I've seen a dude willing to throw himself into a child support situation to keep a woman from her potential. Bruh, you, you, ding, 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 ding. Is that, is that still <laughs> abuse? You know what I mean? Is that still reproductive abuse? Man, Hassan, bro. How many, I, I'm gonna get her pregnant so uh, I can hold her back. Have has a man in my you know immediate circle said never. I'm not been in an earshot in a barber shop, at a right. bar, right. in a frat meeting, right. in right. A, a, a dormitory, right. a, a gym. I've never heard a man say, exactly. "I'm going to get her pregnant," right? So I can hold her back, so she can struggle, so man. she can be stuck. Because I don't want to see her you know, move and uh, have any type of career advancement. I've never, I've never heard it. See that. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Maybe in some context it does, but I've never heard it. But my grandfather used to tell me stories about women trapping men in his generation. He told me about stories from his father's generation. So when you say to me that men and women both do this, I'm just looking at you like, how are you going to take an obscure thing that i you know i don't even know too many brothers that have ever that could even tell you they've heard of this how do you make that equal on both ends how do you use that to attack men and suggest something and then and then label it reproductive abuse as if this is something men are going around doing man look to peep game this is classic projection Mm. (laughs) you know this this is classic because i mean think about it what kind of booms fall to men for getting a woman pregnant? Mm. Mm. What kind of incentives do men have to get women pregnant? Like beyond, you know, trying to have the idea of starting a family or maybe just, it was just haphazard sex. But mm. I mean, for crying out loud, man, how many guys want to subject themselves, as you said, to the child support trap, that 18 year trap. And then you got to deal with somebody that either you don't know or don't like, you know, uh, and someone who's going to alienate you from the t- uh, kid and have your own seed be your worst enemy. Like this, this is a, what a lot of men are dealing with. Who wants to sign up for that? Man, just to hold somebody back, like, oh yeah, I want, I want eighteen years of child support so she don't go nowhere, <laughs> so right. she don't go nowhere. <laughs> right. I'm going to keep her out of that medical program. Just wait till the night. Now, a guy might want to have a baby with a woman because he wants to be with her. Like, you know, I'm going I'm to lock that down. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard, you know, a man say, I'm going to make her pregnant so she 
she can't go nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. I've, I've never I've never heard anything close to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and mm-hmm. and again, you know, one of the main reasons is because, and I, I think BGS talked about this. I think a lot of men in the space have talked about this. Black men, from slavery on up till now. Mm-hmm. have been conditioned, socialized to understand that women also are workers. Okay. Like th- there is, it's, you know, it's like fish and water, like women working and going out and having career and educational objectives has always been something that has obtained in a black community. So mm-hmm. the idea that a man like is going to do something in order to make sure that she can't attain a good job or, you know, reach some sort of educational goal. To me, it's just, I'm not saying it, like you said before, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I'm just saying. Well, see, like, and I'm saying it's not common. If it does happen, it's not a common thing. But here's here's what trumps all of it. When, when we go back to what you said a few mo- moments ago, when you actually listed the birth control options women have, Right. You're talking about, you know, over five, you know, five major types and over 30 different forms, not including abortion, that women can use before, during and after the sex act. Right. So when you have that kind of conversation, what you're telling me that you got men that are keeping her from reaching her potential. What does that mean? Especially considering that when a woman's pregnant, men have no option. Right. The only option we have is we're often told is before the sex act. Once sex happens, if she's pregnant, no matter what you've done to try and prevent that from happening, you have n- no say. You're lucky if she'll allow you to comment so she can reflect on your comments about what she may want to do. But for the most part, the next 18 years of your life at least is tied into her decision. And that's really man, the it for us. Go ahead. And and I don't know, man. I, like I got a doctoral degree, so I would never encourage a woman not to, you know, be educated. <laughs> like I would be like, okay, you can do it. Like it's, it's no thing. You just got to put in some time, some time, some effort, and some love into whatever it is you're doing, and you'll be successful at it. So let's get it. You know, I got two daughters, man. Like what? What? I, how would I look telling them not to educate themselves? Right. You know, if anything, I'm gonna be pushing. Right. To educate themselves or to become right. the best version of themselves possible. Exactly. You know? So, you know, especially if I got a kid with her, I'm going to be like, man, you need to be out here balling. Because <laughs> I ain't trying to pay all the dang gone bills. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? It's like you, you say y'all say y'all want partners now. Partner. You need to go out and make some scratch, partner. <laughs> oh, you my. know, but I mean, of course, that's not manly, right? To say that. Uh, shout out General Tito. What's up, uh, what's up, player? How you doing, man? Because what about Forsyth County, Georgia? A lot of protection went down from those brothers wielding firearms. There you go. There you go. Yeah, y- y'all check out General Tito's channel if you haven't. You know, shout out to the brother. Hope he's well. Haven't talked to him in a minute. But uh, yeah, man. But I decided, you know, that, that you know it might be interesting to delve into re- reproductive abuse a little bit and, and kind of examine that because, you know, when I, you know, when I pulled up a number of academic papers, you know, of course the topic was primarily situated around women, you know, as if men have nothing to do with reproductive abuse, except 
to be the ones, you know, extending it to women, you know, uh, you know, attacking women with it of sorts. Uh, I just don't get it, bro. Like, how do you attack a woman who has birth control? Since, you know, like when they are 13, 14 years old, they can get access to birth control without their parents' permission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can also make the man wear a condom. Also, there's plan B. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, you know, women, you know, are cringing right now over the abortion issue. But I mean, like in some states, it's still legal. Right. You know, and you know, unfortunately for for people who are mired in poverty, it might be a little harder uh, in order for them to, you know, gain access to it. But if you if you can go on a girl's trip, Mm. you can go you can go to the you can go to the uh, Planned Parenthood. Sorry. You know, I was I was off air when that when the whole question of abortion, um, you know, being repealed, was, you know, hit the hit the news. I wasn't on YouTube at that moment. I was I think I was I might have been when I was sick uh, this past summer with COVID. But one of the things that, that first hit me about that is I was like, OK, so abortion is is off the table for some states. And yet they still had three times the number of of of, of opportunities, options, excuse me options as far as uh, reproductive control than men do and the whole country was up in arms about what kind of access women had but i'm like we've never had access to anything significant as far as men are concerned and we somehow think that that's okay we somehow think that that's that there's nothing to talk about there even though we're still hoping on a piece of rubber or abstinence or the pullout method as if these are equally balanced issues and, and somehow women have been offset by not having access to something. But men have never had access to anything sub- substantial in terms of birth control. You know, what we get hit with, and I still hear this to this day, women say in debates, and I hear this, and I say women because I only tend to hear it from women. Um, not to say they're the only ones saying it, but in the debates I witnessed, they're the only ones that will. And they always pop up with, well, you should have kept it in your pants. And I'm like, okay. So you don't got to close your legs because you have reproductive options, but men should have kept it in their pants. And the fact that you have sole decision-making you know, power in the dynamic, we're just going to ignore that. And we're going to condemn men for having sex, but limit the condemnation to that. How does that make sense? Man, that's, that's, that's a total like uh 180 from the previous, uh, kind of moral norms associated with sexual activity and reproduction in the first place. You know, this is, it's a 180, man, you know, uh, not, this is a, uh, and I think that this, uh, this quote emerges after the aftermath of, uh, you know, the Supreme court decision mm. to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's, that's, that's all this is. So it's, it's social, uh, media activism related to, you know, uh, some lamentation about the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's that's what this is. This is just a you know a kind of uh, offshoot of that line of thinking. You know, like mm-hmm. women's rights are now being infringed upon. You know, and it, it's funny though because you know the the, the two men there, uh, there were two white men who, for the most part, introduced abortion. Uh, for the women's bill of rights uh, mm. to the national organization of women to begin with. It, it wasn't even on their radar really, mm. but now it's become like one of the 
primary issues, you know, related to women's rights and their freedom, you know, this, this whole abortion thing. I, I can't remember the names of the white guys. They were two doctors. Okay. okay. Yeah. Two physicians. Well, this is, this is what, so in terms of reproductive um, abuse, which is also referred to as reproductive coercion, uh, I wanted to do a show where we actually looked at this, you know, asking the question, are men impacted by this? Because I have rarely, if at all, and rarely, by saying rarely, I'm really being generous. I've not heard reproductive uh, abuse or coercion applied to men. Now, the concept itself does have application, some of which I think is stated aloud and some of it not so much. Um, but it's not generally applied to men when it comes to those who publish on reproductive uh, abuse. The, uh, the overwhelming publication, the overwhelming number of publications on it are, of course, written in the interest of women. So I thought, let me share this with my audience and let's have a conversation about how many of these things can they identify with. So I just went basic because I wanted to use a resource that, um, you know, everybody has access to. Right. So this is just we're now we're not going to stick with Wikipedia. We're just going to start here. But, you know, reproductive coercion, also uh, called coerced reproduction, reproductive control or reproductive abuse is a collection of behaviors that interfere with decision making related to reproductive health. These behaviors are meant to maintain power and control related to reproductive health by a current, former or hopeful inmate or romantic partner. But they can also be perpetrated by parents or in-laws. Coercive behaviors infringe on individuals' reproductive rights and reduce their reproductive autonomy. Right? So that's already already in there, man. This is get it. When you say power and control, you're talking Ellen Pence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that she's already introduced into the uh, into the equation. I know the language, so uh, ultimately, you know, uh, this is patriarchy theory, but in particular, uh, dominance feminist patriarchy theory being thrust into uh, the couching of this whole conversation. Mm. You know, Mm. uh, former hopeful, intimate or romantic partners, like you're going to get pregnant. I want you to be pregnant. Like there's too too many tools available today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You Mm. know, Uh, Mm And it's up to the woman's discretion. Yeah. Like you could say to her, look, I don't want to have a baby. I know you're pregnant. It ain't the time right now. Mm-hmm. All you can do is suggest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What, what else can you do? You even have situations in married couples where women will get their tubes tied and not tell their husbands. I mean, even Tyler Perry dealt with that in one of his movies. Yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of options and issues that come up. And shout out to Jason B98. Uh, he he mentioned, I put it on the screen a second ago, he men- mentioned anti-stealthing laws, right? So there are all kinds of things happening right now, but the way these conversations are being framed, they're framed as we've seen with the Duluth model. They're continuously framed in the context of men being aggressors and yet men not being on the receiving end as if it can't happen, you know, in regard to this. And I question this, the, the degree to which it does occur because it isn't something we really go into and, and, and study. We don't actually uh, assess um, in many of these situations. So I want to kind of bring some of that up. Let me enlarge this a bit. Hopefully you guys can see it a little better here. So um, so the next part, 
these, uh, there are three forms of reproductive coercion, including pregnancy coercion, birth control sabotage, and controlling the outcome of pregnancy. Reproductive coercion and intimate partner violence are strongly correlated. However, reproductive coercion can occur in relationships in which physical and sexual violence are not reported. Reproductive coercion and unintended pregnancy are strongly associated, and this association is stronger in individuals who have experienced intimate partner violence. While research remains fragmentary, women in abusive relationships are at higher risk of reproductive coercion and unintended pregnancies. Reproductive coercion is considered a serious public health issue. Right? I just never heard of it, man. You know, I'm not I'm not aware. Like, I, I just. I've never heard a guy say I'm about to get her pregnant and. Uh, I'm going to force her to get pregnant. I just, that's just my, I've never heard of it. Not saying it doesn't exist. Okay. But I'm not aware of it. Not something that, you know, has ever been on my radar. Uh, uh, Shout out to Tim Howard for the support. He says, as long as we have a misandry and a a misandry and sexist society against men and boys, um, I doubt that men and boys can be victim at all unless it benefits a woman. Uh, here we go. So it, it lists three forms, as you can see there, for each one. So pregnancy coercion uh, includes any behaviors intended to coerce or pressure a partner to become or not become pregnant or to coerce or pressure a partner to impregnate them. Now, I've seen men who were not happy about a pregnancy uh, and pressuring a partner to have an abortion. I've, I've seen that. Um you know, I've seen men, you know, uh, really adamant about wanting to be a father, you know, in different situations. I've experienced that. I never had to pressure my wife, but I know that 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 occurs. Um, uh, but when you talk about coerce, uh, coerce or pressure a partner to impregnate them, that's interesting. Right. That's an interesting dynamic. And, and I'm, I'm actually interested in the fact that they brought it up. Uh, we're willing to acknowledge that 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 happens in and of itself. So the pressure that a man might receive to impregnate, even if he's not ready to be a father. That definitely occurs. Pregnancy coercion involves various tactics, including verbal threats related to impregnation, coerced sex, refusal to use male-controlled contraception, uh, interference with or pressure not to use female-controlled contraception, um, monitoring menstrual cycles or gynecological visits, pressure for or against sterilization, and monitoring of ovulation, threatened or completed physical violence may also be perpetrated against a partner to coerce them to become pregnant or coerce a partner to impregnate them. Any thoughts about any of that? Uh, threatened or complete physical violence may also be perpetrated against a partner to coerce them to become pregnant or coerce a partner to impregnate them. So it seems like they're at least admitting in that last sentence that, you know, a man could be coerced uh, to impregnate their partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I've seen situations. I've actually been in a situation where you know a woman not necessarily coerced me to impregnate her, but like I want to feel you without this condom type thing. You know, I'm like, <laughs> man, can't be today. <laughs> but you know what? It, it's one thing to hear it said in casual conversation like this. It's another thing when you're in the moment. And, and you hear that, that where judgment might be askew because blood is in a different part of the body than it normally is, you know, but 
it, it, I want it, this. Yeah, I want to feel the real you type thing. You know, like whoa, no, like hey, lady. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, you know, I just remember Snoop Dogg from back in the day. She could be earning a man, learning a man. You know, <laughs> the same time burning a man. I ain't with yeah. that lieutenant. You know, ain't no loving good enough for me get burnt wide up and bit it. Yeah. So I'm like, no, nah, man. Like you, you got to think. I, Oh man! All I can say is, if it is the case that this is a, a, a recurring phenomenon, the same can be said also of women. And this this is the thing that just befuddles my brain. Like, there's so many arguments and so many studies and so much research allocated to the ways in which women are the victims of coercion and control mm-hmm. and power and things of this nature. Mm-hmm. But very rarely. And and you can see it in this last sentence there. Mm. Very rarely is there an open and direct argument made that men are subjected to the same types of coercion that women claim that they're subjected to. It just right. it befuddles my brain. Right. When it comes to IPV, when it comes to sexual assault, any of these issues, it just seems like, you know, the only etiology, which means the only source, the only catalyst for such a phenomenon is patriarchy or, you know, the, the male desire to coerce and to control. And it emanates from his socialization into masculinity. It's like, well, when women do it, then what's the catalyst for it? What's the cause? What's the, what's the socialization process for that? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> no answer. <laughs> Because it, it, it can't be explained within the rubric or the heuristic. Right. Right. So, so I mean, because, I mean, you know, power and control is something men do. Right. Not something women do. Coercion is a tactic that is utilized by men, not women. Exactly. Which, of course, I, I think is absolutely false. But, uh, and, th- and this is where we come to the fork in the road. This is where, you know, I, I'm at an impasse with, uh, you know, pro-women rhetoric. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, and I don't have a problem with, with pro-women rhetoric if it's tempered by the truth about how human beings behave towards one another. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, there's coercion used both ways. Mm-hmm. Not just unilateral, right. by direction. Exactly. exactly. Now, and, and this is why I'm such a stickler about the impact of policy. Because when you factor in policy, you actually do, um, you know, give one, you know, demographic a a route to exercise state influence in a way the other demographic doesn't have. Right. Even for policies that are written gender neutral, but practiced in very particularly gynocentric ways, we're we're in a situation where, you know, uh, women are able to enforce policy in ways that men can't even when men are on the receiving end or being manipulated or being, you know, falsely accused or attacked, we want to act like, you know, as you said, it can only go one way from men to women. And when women do it, or when women use resources, state resources, institutional resources or policies to enforce their will on men, nobody says a word. Uh, Shout out to Ian in the chat, putting the information through. Appreciate that. You know, but this but this kind of one sided dynamic has always kind of bothered me. Now, the second form of reproductive abuse or coercion 
is birth control sabotage, which involves tampering with contraception or interfering with the use of contraception. Birth control sabotage includes removing a condom after agreeing to wear one, also called stealthing, damaging a condom, removing or lying about the use of contraception, including vaginal rings, intrauterine devices, and contraceptive patches, or throwing away or simply lying about the consumption of oral contraceptive pills. Other methods of birth control sabotage include preventing a partner from obtaining or refilling contraceptive prescriptions, refusing to wear a condom, stating that a condom is being worn when one is not, not withdrawing after agreeing to do so, exaggerating the risks of hormonal uh, contraceptives, not informing a partner after ceasing the use of female-controlled contraception or removing contraceptive devices, and not telling a partner if a condom broke or fell off. Now, I do appreciate that they stayed fairly gender balanced. Uh, and we'll see in the next website that they did some, some similar things there. I appreciate that. But when we talk about it, let me ask you a question, Gigi. When we talk about um, a woman, say, poking holes in a condom, right? Mm. Um, when's the last time you heard of her being accused of reproductive abuse? Say that one more time. Just when, when you've when you've heard of a woman damaging a condom, uh, you know, poking holes in it, or lying about using birth control, when is the last time you've heard a woman accused of reproductive abuse? I've never heard a woman accused of reproductive abuse. You know, guys will laugh about it. That's that's the closest thing men will do is laugh. And uh, or either, you know, say it's screwed up or something like that. But like, it's very rare that men in the black community specifically use the word abuse with black women. Like it's just not the two like opposites, <laughs> you know, in terms of conceptual uh, analysis. It's like, OK. Crazy. Yeah. Abuse. No, because abuse, you know, uh, entails or denotes intention. Mm -hmm. uh, craziness is just something that can't be, uh, mm. you know, it, it, it's endemic. It's innate. Can't mm -hmm. be helped. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you talk about abuse, typically abuse, it connotates intention. So, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But as, but this is one of the reasons I think we kind of do what we're doing in terms of developing concepts and, and terms uh, and, and, a, and a new vocabulary suited to men's experiences, because when you look at things like this, the concept itself appears gender neutral. Even the definition includes men. But again, when you get to the practice, when you get to, the, you know, who's being arrested and put in the backseat of a police car with cuffs, who's going to do time, right? Who's publicly accused of having violated a woman in some new kind of way, which, you know, in a way, reproductive abuse you know, kind of falls in that category because it's not something commonly used. But when we do hear about it, it rarely applies to women. It's a one-way dynamic. Most men have probably not heard the term reproductive abuse. Most men probably haven't. Shout out to Aliyah. Appreciate that support. Right? Shout out to Dardar. Uh, don't forget the hot sauce incident with Drake. Y'all better be buying Frank's red hot stocks. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you, Dardar. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, really, it, this it, it, many of these practices, and I've said the same in terms of Title IX, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, the whole question of domestic violence or intimate partner violence, um, even when it comes to the data around intimate partner violence, we will ignore it. 
to reinvoke a narrative of one-way aggression from men to women. And we do we do the same even with concepts that are that are new, like reproductive abuse. We only really conceptualize it one way. Because I've never heard of the term being applied against women, even though the definition, you know, as it's explained here, includes it. You know, so part of the reason I wanted to do this show is I wanted to give men kind of a heads up that some of these concepts and terms may be used against you in ways you're not ready for if you're not familiar with them. But I also want you to understand how they can affect you negatively, how this relates to you, how you may have actually experienced some of these various types of reproductive abuse and yet aren't taught about how you know you may be vulnerable to them. But you damn sure are taught about how you may be considered the aggressor. And that's one of the things I wanted to put on the table for us to think about. You know, because you it, it, a, a given person might find themselves sitting in a courtroom behind being accused of reproductive abuse, and you've never heard of the concept. But you can probably think of five or five or ten ways you've experienced this in your lifetime, and nobody told you it was reproductive abuse when you experienced it. You know, because yeah, I man, you know, I've had women tell me, you know, they getting off the, the pill. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, then okay, all right. Well, you know, it still don't mean I ain't using this condom. <laughs> Straight up. This is, this doesn't mean that. You know right. what I'm saying? We're not about to, you know, this. we're not about to sing. The man and the woman had a little baby. They made three. It ain't about to pop off. Man. <laughs> now, you know, all I can say is, you know, uh, if a woman tells me that she got to pick up a pill, I don't care if I'm like dead dog tired. We about to go get them pills. <laughs> we we getting we going to that we going to Walgreens. We gonna be right there. You know what I'm saying? And uh she got a doctor's appointment where she need to get them pills. Hey, let's go get them. On time. We on time. Be- hey, hey, you you miss one. You know, you know. <laughs> you know uh, what I'm saying? Like I ain't gonna count nobody's pill box, but you know, hey man, at, at this point, man, I look <clears throat> If I, you know, if I ain't, if I don't want to be a daddy, I ain't about to be one. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm gonna take my, you know, whatever precautions I gotta take. And I mean, unless she's stealthing or something like that, right? You know. Right. But uh, you know, hey, usually I'm, you know, I'm gonna be making sure I'm the one to put that joint on. You know what I'm saying? You know, hey. <laughs> and it all depends on who you with too. You know what I'm saying? It all depends on you know who who you're surrounded by. You know, like, do you know this lady? You know, like, are y'all just friends with benefits or like is this like the one or something like that like that's your main chick or whatever but uh yeah man well i i'm gonna tell you an honest woman is birth control into itself because i remember i once had a woman tell me she said i'm just gonna let you know if i get pregnant i'm keeping it Mm. and if you've never heard of birth control like that you know that shut the game down for me i was like well Condom or no condom, if there's an accident, she done already told me where this is going. So that's all I needed to know. We're good. I and like I, you know, usually <laughs> nowadays, if I if I start off a relationship, I'm gonna let the chick know, look, I'm already a daddy. <laughs> and you know, I'm out of the ballpark with the responsibilities, you know, like with any state, because they, you know, they old, you know what I'm saying? They grown. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any more. You know, like I got responsibilities, of course, but like it's not like, you know, state forced responsibilities. So I I don't want to live that again. I've been right. through that. 
been right. there, done that. So right. I don't want to go there again. Yeah. You know, like uh, it's 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 a headache, man. You know, uh, in contemporary culture, it's a headache. So why would I want to take myself down that path again? You know, because it's all you know, it's all good. You know, like Rakim say, you get a girl, get soft and warm. <laughs> Don't get excited. You've been invited to the quiet storm. Yeah. You know, you look, you know, first you say all you want is love and affection. It's all good <laughs> then. You know what I'm saying? Everything is dynamic, out of sight. You know, toe curl into sex. That that sort of thing. And then next thing you know. Yeah, man. Must have yeah, got man. you too hot, burnt off your wings. You call the attitude. <laughs> You know, brothers been talking about these issues for a long time, man. Yeah, it's you know? not new. And yet, you know, when these terms and the reason I'm on these terms, man, is because these terms lend themselves to policy. Right. I mean, we've we've seen the, the stealthing issues coming up in California. You know, this whole question of, you know, if you if you misrepresent wearing a condom now, you can actually, you know, be arrested. See, These kind of things are introduced in these one way dynamics. And they're not presented in terms of how men can find themselves vulnerable to it. And as long as it's presented that way in the public, that's the only way we conceptualize it. And this this can even affect juries. So again, if you if you're if you're if you're in a courtroom having to defend yourself against an accusation and they pull together a jury, if the only way the public has been introduced to an idea has been a one way format from men to women in terms of aggression or whatnot. It's harder. It's that much. It's that much harder to actually be seen in a vulnerable light. Most particularly, you know, if that's what actually occurred, it's that much harder to do because the public's not familiar with a counter narrative. So, for example, from the 70s to the 80s, we saw an increase in the number of films of women who have have suffered from various types of sexual assault, intimate partner violence. We saw film after film on it being murdered, being slapped, being beaten, all these kind of things. Virtually none on men in, by comparison, virtually none. So in the public consciousness, the idea of a man being victimized by his woman is considered a joke. The only time you hear about male victimization is in prison. So when you actually do run into it in your lifetime as a man, you don't often have a frame of reference for it because there's no public media uh, narrative that's been made pres- made visible for people to really understand. I mean, the closest thing I think we got to any of that in terms of sexual vulnerability was Antoine Fisher. Yeah, one story. Yeah, but I mean, there's a documentary uh, about uh, Helen Morgan, who uh, killed her husband, uh, Lee Morgan. Uh, there, there's a documentary about that. Go check that out. I don't know if it's on uh, Netflix or if it's on uh, Prime, Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. but I, I do recall seeing that. And uh, the uh, documentary was made, I don't know how long ago, maybe 2019 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, check that, check that documentary out, man. It's a hell of a thing, man. Okay. You know? uh, um, so yeah. let me, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you know, it's you know they call it the shot heard around the jazz world. <laughs> you know, I don't mean to make light of it or laugh, but I mean think about it, how crazy that is—the shot heard around the jazz world mm-hmm. when Lee Morgan was shot by his wife. And one of the things people don't even acknowledge or realize is that, uh, you know, during the same time, 
where you know a lot of feminists were developing, particularly dominant feminists like uh, Andrea Dworkin and Catherine McKinnon and Ellen Pence, they were developing these theories mm-hmm. about power and control, especially in the black community. I mean, the intimate partner violence was women killing men, killing their husbands and shit like that, killing their intimate partners. From 76 to 85, the biggest perpetrators of intimate partner homicide were black women. Now I'm not this is not to be smirch all black women because it's a small right. fraction of the female population and such you know heinous acts, but I mean the reality is is that you know this often is not discussed, or if it is discussed, it's only discussed in such a way as to, you know, indicate that somehow they were fighting back, so they did they, you know they engaged in the homicide, uh, the act of homicide to protect themselves because they you know had been suffering from pattern abuse or some something like that, you know, uh, and, you know, I just have an issue with, uh, women being categorized, uh, or being perceived as innately pure, like just innately virtuous. I have an issue with that. And, and not because I, you know, I dislike or hate women. I, it's just they're human beings. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, another funny thing to me, if you look at the literature, right, even feminists make these arguments. I was reading uh, Raywin Connell's uh, masculinities to the uh, mm-hmm. listeners on my channel. I, I haven't resumed uh, that that line of dialogue, but are you going to finish it? Hmm? Are you going to finish it? Yeah, I'm going to finish it. Uh, okay. But I had, you know, I just took a break. But but the whole point is, uh, you know, in the social science, uh, you know, psychometrics. Uh, or basically utilized to try to differentiate the personality profiles between men and women. And, you know, the argument is that there's very little variation between the psychological profiles of men and women, you know? Uh, and so if that's the case, then what does that say about the evil and ominous patriarchy? Like <laughs> if it's the case that men and women roughly have the same kind of psychometric you know, uh, outcomes in terms of measuring their personality profiles, then why is it that men are always perceived as these power and control jerks? Right. Whereas men, you know, they don't, I mean, women, they don't, they don't have the impulse uh, to exert power and control over anybody. Mm -hmm. They just walk around life, you know, like aloof and, you know, dancing with the daisies and, picking up flowers and putting them in their hair. I mean, there's not a mean bone in any of their bodies. <laughs> and picking up daisies. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the sound of music. Like they just skip around with baskets and, you know, they sing songs and they hold hands and hug one another. No, no animosity, no venom directed to anybody. Right. Right. Just carefree, loving, uh, you know, innately altruistic right caring right kind affectionate right and and like the reality is they're human beings man mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. they have they you know they have the same anger issues as men do like well, they you know they have the same desire to control when they can as men do and exploit power when it's at their benefit and to their benefit as is as most human beings with access to power do it's a human frailty it's a human issue 
But of course, women are subject to it because they're passive. Men are active. Mm -hmm. And these all fall into the stereotypes about, you know, uh, men and women that they say they eschew and want to eliminate. Right. Now, I mean, if it's the case that, you know, we want to do away with, you know, the whole stereotyping and characterizing one group of people in one way, then why is there this consistent uh, desire to only tell one side of the story or to only events or tease out the misbehavior of one segment of the population mm-hmm. or, or to ascribe malevolent intentions to one group of persons, you know, right. typically the persons right. who have phallus, uh, phallus, uh, I guess, I don't know, have phalluses and testes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I, this is something that's always, you know, because I've read a lot of feminist philosophy, man. I, yeah. I've, I've, I've read, I, t- I tell people, man, I've read it all. Not all of it, of course. It's, it's, impo- it's impossible to read it all. But, you know, I've read Mary Wollenstonecraft, mm. you know, uh, all the way up to Jimmy Crenshaw, you know, mm-hmm. all the way up to Cooper and, and, and Christy Dotson and, you know, Linda Alcoff and all them kind of people, you know, Nancy Frazier, Salia Ben-Habib, all them people. You know, I read a whole bunch of this stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, Iris Marion Young. And so, you know, my my problem has always been, well, can women do any wrong? See, and, and I mean, clearly true. the social science demonstrates and like yeah. just the statistics demonstrates Yes. The women are involved in wrongdoing. <laughs> even but, even but, what you just pointed out, though, in terms of feminist philosophy and other feminist li- literature, we don't talk about ideological violence in relation to women, but we do talk about it in relation to men. In other words, you got people so upset about two years of a brother on YouTube saying things that they didn't like, but you've just listed out a damn tradition that's required reading in many circles of the academy and nobody says anything yeah and so one one of the things that i you know i think is that you can have people who hate men hiding in plain sight and mm-hmm. appear to be doing justice work right, but, right you know there's right, a right. thinly veiled right. tinge of misandry there you know mm-hmm. uh Mm-hmm. Particularly with people like Catherine McKinnon and Andrea Dworkin and uh, you know Ellen Pence, but you know who Ellen Pence kind of recanted and uh, said she was engaged in confirmation bias, mm-hmm. uh, along mm-hmm. with some other people, even Michelle Wallace, you know, kind of recanted, you know. Uh, Although but, that doesn't get talked about, you know, uh, when her when her book comes up, we still I still hear people talking about the book, but they don't talk about her recantation. But anyway, because that would be tantamount to them not towing, you know, the ideological line. I mean, even like Betty Friedan, you know, uh, she wrote initially, you know, uh, I forget what the book's name is. I don't know why I can't remember it, but uh, uh, her first book was, you know, pretty scathing in relation to its accounts of men and their behavior. and then afterwards, uh, she wrote another subsequent book to try to begin to close the gap, the lacuna between men and women, you know, somehow, uh, you know, discuss issues, 
that men have and mm -hmm. uh, some of the shortcomings of women. And she was critical of some variants of feminist philosophy. And man, she got attacked. Like, oh, how dare you? you, you right. You're a traitor. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't say that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like a, a a liberal saying, you know, that some of the conservative points are, uh, you know, acceptable, you know, or, or vice versa. Right. You know, uh, it's a lot of, I don't know, it's like either you're all the way in, there's no diversity of opinion. Right. That is what I'm trying to articulate uh, right. Right, right now. And uh, yeah. it's like, you know, e either you're all in or you're all out. Either you're, you know, a purist, zealot, mm -hmm. or you're a traitor, you know, or you're one of the bad ones, you, you know, you're a bad person. So would you call that an ideological hegemony? I would think so. Uh, but to be quite honest, you know, like, I, I think that feminism has become a hegemonic discourse. <laughs> I agree. I, agree. I, 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 I just think it has. But I mean, people will argue that it's not, of course, because uh, they, they, they would basically, you know, put forth the point that it's liberatory, it's social justice work, right? Mm -hmm. And so therefore it can't be but I mean, if you really go back to uh, what what Gramsci was trying to articulate with it, uh... oh, I think you're cutting in and out. Can you hear me? Okay, we got some sound issues, Gigi. Um, I don't know if you can reconnect or if you have to. Worst case scenario, go out and come back in. Yeah, I don't know. I can't tell if you can hear me uh, right now. Pushing and promoting it, and you, it, it, it performs. It. Go ahead. You've been you've been out for the last minute or so. I was telling you your, your sound went in and out, so you probably couldn't hear me then either. No, I couldn't hear you. I, I apologize for that. That wasn't my intention. Oh, of course. No. Yeah. Uh, so, we so what, right yeah, what I was trying to yeah, yeah, what I was trying to articulate is that it's become a hegemonic discourse. And that uh, you could tell it is because it's commercialized. It's commodified in a, in a unique, in a, uh, a, a particular way. Uh, it's in television shows, movies. Uh, it's at the Academy. It, you hear it espoused, you know, in social media, uh, social movements. Uh, it, it's, it's a hegemonic discourse. It is. And you can look at it in terms of funding. You can see it in terms of grants. You can see it in terms of policy development. You can see it in terms of which uh, politicians are advancing their careers on this rhetoric and which aren't. I mean, it, it it has become hegemonic. And yet we're still operating with this 1960s paradigm of, you know, of the righteous few women who are fighting against the patriarchy kind of dynamic. When that that as that is not only has that not included black men in the way they'd like to frame it, but it doesn't account for what's taken place since that time. And it's, it's problematic in a number of ways. Yeah, so, uh, you know. Um, you there? It's it, this. Can you hear me? Yeah, I was. It sounded like you were going out. I wasn't sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Every now and then I turn my mic off because I don't want any background noise to, uh, you know, okay. uh, permeate what's going on on your show. And uh you know, I got some background noise, but uh, ultimately, uh, 
the sensibilities of northern of northeastern neoliberal women is and what makes them comfortable that's the paramount like spirit i would say the zeitgeist of contemporary feminism mm. feminism it just is what it is mm-hmm. not but nobody will admit it right <laughs> No, not too many people will admit it, but that's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with this because I want to introduce brothers to this logic, so you can be prepared if you may need to to uh, kind of understand how you can fall into this. And you want I want you to be able to situate yourself accordingly uh, with your own value system. So this is the last paragraph of the second form of reproductive abuse, birth birth control sabotage. It reads gender and sexual power dynamics and coercion associated with sexual power dynamics are both linked to condom non-use. Even women with high sexually transmitted infection knowledge are more likely to use condoms inconsistently than women with low STI knowledge when there is a high level of fear or abuse, right? Last stage of it, very quickly, uh, controlling the outcome of pregnancy uh, is an attempt to influence a partner to continue or terminate a pregnancy. This can include abortion coercion, pressuring, threatening, or forcing a partner to have an abortion or not. The Guttmeyer Institute policy analysis states that forcing a woman to terminate a pregnancy she wants or to continue a pregnancy she doesn't want violates the basic human right of reproductive health. And there's some information there in the United States. But I'm going to switch gears. Um to another site. Keep it 100. What's going on, man? Good to see you in there. Great I-9. Appreciate that support. There's a, uh, in jobs that allow for latitude for independent judgment, police, social workers, etc. the application of otherwise neutral laws becomes misandrous. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a site uh, I thought you might find interesting. It's called womenslaw.org and they go over reproductive abuse and coercion as well. Dated January 2020. Right. And so they give uh, some breakdowns of it as well. Right. Reproductive abuse is when a person tries to control your reproductive choices in order to control your life. Reproductive abuse is also often called reproductive coercion. Uh, this is when a person tries to persuade someone to do something by using force or threats. Re- reproductive abuse can be a single act or it can be part of a larger pattern of abusive behaviors, such as those explained on our forms of abuse page. Reproductive abuse can include sexual assault, rape, and other abusive actions concerning your sexual and reproductive health, such such as, and she has three bullet, you know, major bullet points, sexually coercive behaviors, and then she gives a list, like when a person, you know, and, and this is similar to the last one we looked at, but I wanted you to see the consistency of some of the concepts. Um, pressure. So like when a person pressures or forces a sexual partner to have sex when she doesn't want to, she or he, right? Threatens to end a relationship if a person doesn't have sex. Uh, forces a sexual partner to... Now, look, notice that. Threatens to end a relationship if a person doesn't have sex. <laughs> that's part of a relationship, ain't it? Relations, ain't it? So it's, that's reproductive abuse. So, so let me ask you a question. So if you're, if you're a husband in a sexless marriage and your wife does not want to comply and you say, I don't want to be in this marriage if we can't have sex, can that be framed as a form of reproductive abuse? The way this article presents it, it seems like to me it can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is kind of why I wanted people to kind of hear this language, because often you'll hear the concept 
and you'll see it, you know, kind of come up in public discourse in slightly different ways. And then by the time it may reach, you know, the policy stage, you're like, what the hell did this morph into? Right. So I'm just just putting on the table. You know, these are things that that can be presented a certain way. Right. Uh, uh, bullet number three forces a sexual partner to not use birth control, including a condom, contraceptive pills, other available options. Right. Uh, intentionally exposes a sexual partner to an STI. Right. So it retaliates against the sexual partner when told about a positive STI results. Okay. Retaliates. <laughs> mm. Any thoughts about that? That's a hell of a demonstration right there. You know, mm. hey, baby, you know, I got that package. Man. <laughs> oh, mm. I understand, boo. You know, we're going to get through this together. <laughs> got to be cookie, cook. Cookie Johnson. And see, and 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 y'all don't forget what website you're looking at, womenslaw.org. When we talk about this transition point where these ideas become applicable in law, the fact that it's being, you know, posted on sites like this should let you know what is, you know, what can potentially happen to you. Uh, what's up, Roaring Sun? What's up, Queen Kalila? Hope y'all are well. Right. So these are things that are important you know, to look at. Uh, the second major bullet point, birth control sabotage, hides, withholds, or destroys the sexual partner's birth control pills, replaces or tampers with a sexual partner's birth control pills without a partner's knowledge or consent, right? Uh, breaks or pokes holes in a condom on purpose, removes the condom during sex without telling his or her sexual partner, right? refuses to withdraw, during sex, even if she or he previously agreed to do so. Pulls out a sexual partner's vaginal contraceptive ring or tears off a sexual partner's contraceptive patch. Any thoughts about that? Any of that? Uh, I, I, I would consider, you know, destroying of somebody's birth control pills to be coercive. Mm -hmm. uh, but also I would consider breaking or poking holes in a condom to be uh, coercive as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, women do it. I, I, I would assume that, I guess, in some instances, men do it. I would never do it. But uh, just think about this, though. Uh, removes a condom during sex. Like, sometimes condoms break, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? But, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not doing the ODB. So if it, if it get to feeling too good, I'm going to be like, hey, what's, what's cracking? Let me <laughs> let me check this out right fast. That was, uh, that was the funniest part of... of being a young teenager experiencing it, there, there's a point where it was just okay, and the next thing I knew, it was really, really good. <laughs> and I didn't, on, I didn't know at the time what that meant until you pull out. But, you know, for the young man listening, just be clear. When Let me goes, check that out right quick, because this right here is some fire. Let me hold yeah. on for a second right here. Hold on. When it goes uh, average to, oh my God, you might want to check. You might want to see what's going on right there, with that right there, because I show sure we'll strap another one on real quickly. <laughs> no, this ain't what I've signed up for, boo boo. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh uh. I'm not about to, you know, I, and I, this whole pull out method to me, that's just unreliable, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. Right. You know, you see it in, you know, pornographic or adult movies or whatever the case may be, but like, you know, that that's unreliable because semen. Uh, exists within, uh, you know, uh, two messins or whatever they call that. You know, it's, it, it exists within it. You know, so 
that's just not reliable. So, right. but what yeah. happens? And I've heard I've heard men report this since high school. If it slips off, right? If it slips off, but we're in this era of criminalizing, you know, different aspects of the sexual experience. Can you be held accountable in this kind of legal sense for something like that? Well, only I, I would be think accused you, of taking it off is what I'm saying. But go yeah, ahead. You could be accused. That's 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 dangerous. You know, uh, it's dangerous, especially if you know it's perceived that you are the one who you know, intentionally got her pregnant. And, and this is going to be even more exacerbated, uh, you know, after Roe v. Wade, you know, mm -hmm. these kind of issues. They're going to they're gonna be more, you know, uh, prevalent and you're going to see more of it, you know. Uh, right. But I just... And Great I-9 adds an interesting part to this. He says, notice this doesn't include women taking the contents of a condom and inserting it into her vajayjay, right? Ooh, wee. That's... that's... That's just I'm curious to know if anything we've read so far um takes that into account. So it's interesting. Wait, uh that's yeah. just to me, that's just nasty, man. You know, uh, but that's just me, you know, like it's one thing, you know, like put it this way. You you drink spit all day, but would you you know, oh, put oh. your spit in the glass and drink yeah. it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in certain fluids into your body, it's one thing. You know, I, that's just. But that, but that is that is a, a question I'm curious about. You know, because if we're going to have an honest conversation about the ways, if we're going to criminalize various aspects of the sexual act, but we only seem to want to do it when it has to do with women's victimization, there's a disingenuousness there. There's a dishonesty there, because as human beings, anybody can be vulnerable. And so to not ask the question how men can be vulnerable is already a problem. Um, here's an example. Now, this is a piece that I did a few years ago. Uh, we're not going to go through it entirely, but this is on my Black Masculinism and New Black Masculinity site. Uh, and I'll put the link in the chat for those who might be interested in perusing it. Um, and if you remind me, I'll put it in the description if I forget to do so. Uh, but this is entitled, Should Sperm Set Theft Be Considered Rape? Right. And because, I, you know, because there's there's not there's not a lot of discussion about the kinds of things men experience. I mean, we hear somebody mentioned earlier, Drake putting hot sauce in a condom. Right. And the woman, if I remember correctly, she was she tried to use it. She tried to pour it into herself and it burned and people laughed about it. But I'm like, if you, if you look at the language these people are using on something like womenslaw.org, they are actually organizing these, their experiences into policy, even though much of this is written in a gender neutral format. It doesn't include a lot of the experiences men report. And I would suspect if it, get, it reaches policy in the policy level, it's not often going to be applicable to men's experiences because they're catering this to women. I'm like right now. I got all I got. Like is hold up. Wait a minute. So Drake did what? <laughs> yeah, this is a while ago. Somebody brought it up earlier. Might have been Great I Nine, but somebody brought it up earlier, and they were talking about uh, him putting hot sauce in a used condom. And uh, okay, I was about to say. I hope he wasn't doing that while he was, uh, ooh, you know, before he got it in. Like, hold on, homie, you he put it in gangster with it. <laughs> You put it in afterwards. I don't remember a lot of what happened after that, but I do believe she tried to use it and it wasn't pleasant, if 
I remember correctly, but y'all can correct me uh, in the chat, right? But in as much as I heard people laughing about that and joking about Drake, I didn't hear anybody frame it in terms of a violation. Not reproduce. Oh, that's real slimy right there. Like that's first of all, it's nasty to me, you know. But uh, it's slimy, you know. That's some grimy. That's grimy, mm. you know. Uh, Shout out to Officer Faulkner. Says, "What about women who force men to sleep with them?" By saying, if they don't do it, they will tell the authorities that they were sexually assaulted by him. Yes, that does happen. There are also ways that one can be threatened in terms of their public reputation. I've read accounts about men who've been forced to provide sexual service on one level or another, even oral, on the basis that she will accuse him of publicly of being, um, you know, gay, being, you know, not being straight, so on and whatever. Just the threat of his public reputation. If he doesn't provide sexual service, which can be particularly important uh, for some people based on, you know, their field with, with, with kind of what they do as an occupation, you know, there are various levels of this. But the point is that it that it happens and we, there's no real conversation about it, especially in these discourses that are being primed for policy. Right. Um, so let me finish this section here. Refu refuses to withdraw during sex, even if she here uh, previously agreed to do so. Pulls out a sexual partner's vaginal. Oh, okay, I finished that. The vaginal contraceptive ring and patch. Pregnancy pressure, which is when a person pressures a sexual partner to get pregnant, or she or he doesn't want to be pregnant. Okay, interesting language there. Um, that's that pronoun use. Uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, I want to highlight you about a show. I want you, to, you and you to do with me. We gonna what's that? I, what's I, that? I, I want to talk to you about the pronoun. I want to talk to you about that whole dynamic. So I'm going to see if I can get the green gorilla to chime in on it. Um, but I'll, yeah. I'll get details in a little bit. But continue with pregnancy when she or he wants an abortion or end the pregnancy, she, he, she or he wants to continue. Right. Um, and then from there, you know, they kind of go into uh, you may want to contact a domestic violence advocate, you know, for buying birth control or condoms on your own. You know, keeping birth control or condoms hidden, and they kind of give you know some tips uh, for what can be done. But what would you say overall about you know this? What we've read about reproductive abuse. Uh, what what is your impression of it, and what do you think the dangers of the concept are? Uh -oh. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it is gynocentric. Mm. Uh, it it just it just is what it is. It's gynocentric, but I think it needs to be. You know, men need to add their two cents to this. You know, and and, and I do understand that the language is to some degree inclusive. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, kudos to them for having done that. But uh, you know, men also need to be able to you know put their two cents into uh, ideas such as these. You know, uh, and share their experiences. Mm -hmm. But of, of course. You know, to do so is like mangina-ish or something like that. You because you can't be vulnerable, right? Mm. <laughs> can't be susceptible to coercion from uh, a lady to any mm. degree. So, uh, and you know, men have trouble admitting it sometimes, I guess. But uh, overall, I mean, if if you continuously, you know, push forward with the notion that women are passive, men are active coercers. You know, women are like these uh, 
agents who who have things done to them and they don't do things then you know but i mean you, to be fair uh I, I saw a back and forth in in this presentation so uh just be vigilant man i, I tell guys all the time man man carry a whole pack with you you know mm. don't just carry one with you mm. carry 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 uh three or four of them joints right you know you might wake up in the morning want to hit something you might hit something while you're hitting something and you know the condom might break you know uh <laughs> make sure you got some lubrication you know what i'm saying like i mean you know you know, you just gotta make sure you protected and all. You know, like they say when you step in the ring, be protected at all times. Protect yourself at all times. Right. You know. <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm be, you know, the, the 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 terrible thing about all of this is that uh, you know, you, when you start to think about relationships, man, you know, it's almost as if every stage of the way, this culture is basically referring to them as adversarial or potentially adversarial type of relationships, you know, mm -hmm. and that's unfortunate, you know, uh, that in today's era, you know, it's all about self-protection and understanding that, you know, harm is going to come from your partner. I mean, people, you know, who are close to each other, they're going to get on each other's nerves and do ignorant shit to each other. I mean, uh, but everything is just couched in terms of abuse and coercion and power and control. Mm -hmm. And uh, typically, uh, it's always perceived as something men do, and by and large, uh, it's something that women suffer from. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My, my, I'm just concerned about. I really want us to be better prepared to engage in these kind of discussions and and monitor how these discussions go from these innocent, casual, online back and forths and turn into policy. And, and how that policy can be weaponized against men in a very key way that we, you know, we downplay um, until a brother ends up locked up somewhere behind something that, you know, doesn't make sense. But it, it, it's a slippery slope that, that kind of can occur where, where that goes down. And so I just kind of wanted, when, when the concept came across uh, my Facebook page, I said, you know what, this is something that I think we need to have a conversation about just to make sure that, uh, you know, brothers have it, you know, on the forefront of their minds, you know, engaging in these kind of dynamics um, and whatnot. So I just kind of wanted to, to put that out there. Uh, but I mean, boy, given the, uh, I mean, you know, we got a high rate of single motherhood, or, you know, like, we, I hate to use the terminology bastard children, but I mean, we, we got a lot of black bastards out here, you know, and, uh, question is you know like how much of these you know situations are coerced themselves you know like uh you know how many how many situations do men exist in where they're kind of like forced to be nothing more than sperm donors you know mm -hmm. temporary flings you know in order to uh siphon off sperm in right. order for her to be a mother you know what i mean like mm -hmm. how many situations exist like that we don't know you know and then I just tell guys, man, you do have a, a means by which to have some control over this, but it, your, your control is limited. You know, like one brother said, uh, you know, get some spermicide, man. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what he should have. That's what Drake should have put it in the condom. You got enough money <laughs> to know better. You know, like putting that's some nigga shit. Putting, excuse me for saying that on your show, bro. But uh, 
putting hot sauce in the condom, man. Put some spermicide in that joint. You know, that's what you do. That way you kill, you know, as it's nasty to me, but I mean, it has been known to happen. Mm. You know, it has been known to happen that a woman would go get a condom. Uh, I flush, flush it down the toilet too, bro. Don't put it in a, a trash bag, you know, put that thing in the toilet and watch it go down. Watch it, cir- you know, take the circular path down, down the drain. <laughs> right, right. Uh, shout out to Keep It 100. He says uh, women abuse men's reproduction uh, every day. They destroy condoms, pull condoms out of the trash, lie about BC, etc. Right. I'm not, look, you can use hot sauce, man. First of all, I might not have hot sauce in the house, man. You know, I do got hot sauce. I got that uh, Louisiana hot sauce right now. But man, I, I ain't wasting my hot sauce on the, on the condom. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I need that for the wings. You know? Need well. that for my wings. <laughs> yeah, I you know I, I just uh, I got some chicken in the refrigerator right now, ready to cut that, that joint up. And I made some some dope macaroni and cheese, boy. That, that, boy, that's fire, boy. Super fire. Oh my goodness! Look, <laughs> well, I just wanted to put that out there, man, and I, I you know get that in the in the in the in the discourse so that we're thinking about it. You know, especially if you're entertaining situations that can jump off. I want you to be aware of how these policies can come back at us because they're, they're being weaponized in all kinds of casual ways. Um, and when they go down and somebody gets the cuffs put on them, then all of a sudden we're upset. But by the time it really kind of enters our consciousness that this mess has gone too far, it's already you know entrenched. And so those are the kind of things I want us to, to think about, be aware of, stay on top of uh, in that regard. Uh, it, it, it it extends not just to the, the issue itself, but what Gigi was talking about earlier, as far as the full extent of, of how feminism frames a lot of these issues. So we can take the same discussion and apply it to a number of different things. But we need to be aware of it. And hopefully we'll get to a point where we can actually talk about mobilizing and pushing policy that actually focuses on what men experience. But at the very least, we have to understand the power of this, this stuff and how it impacts us. I just kind of wanted to be clear on that. Any uh, any any thoughts you want to add to this before we kind of transition out? Yeah, man. Again, like I said, man, protect yourself at all times. Uh, know what you're up against. Know that, you know, there's a lot of, to me, you know, the contemporary world in which we live, man, everything is policed. So, you know, relationships are policed at the current yes. moment and, and reproduction is policed. And so, uh, you know, just be careful, man. You know, right. everything ain't what it seems. And, uh, you know, a lot can be used against you today. You know, uh, they're, they're developing concepts and ideas. And, and, and typically it's going to be you that's going to be, you know, the one left holding the bag in terms of culpability for much of this stuff. You know, this this just the facts, okay? Right. So uh, make sure you know what the, the you know, the, the existing order of the day is. And, uh, you know, circumscribe your actions accordingly. That's all I can tell you. Right. Absolutely. You know, know, what you, know what you're getting into and, uh, you know, know how to protect yourself. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming up, man. Thanks a lot, brother. For sure, right. bro. And uh, I'll be on tomorrow, man. I know I've been going on a hiatus, so I'm just letting all the people know who usually watch my channel. I'll be on at 515 tomorrow. That's what's somewhere up. Or, or somewhere whereabouts. 
Is, is that Central? Central Standard Time, 515. Right. right. So y'all check it out. Look out uh, for the good brother. Um, and I appreciate you coming through, man. Thank you, man. I'm glad to have been here. Peace. Peace. All right, y'all. Shout out to the Green Gorilla. Support the Green Gorilla channel. Support Keep It 100. You know, go check him out. You can see him in the comments. So you know how to spell that. Go to his channel. Subscribe. Check him out. Uh, also look out for Dr. Ronald Neal. He's been dropping fire lately, of course. Support BGS Ibmore. But We have to have these conversations. We got to be able to be on top of how these policies are being weaponized and be aware of how they can be used against you uh, so you can best prepare and protect yourself one way, shape, or form. And that also includes sons, mentees, so on and so forth, people we need to protect by guiding them about how these kind of benign conversations online can turn into something that has them sitting on the back of a police car. Anyway, that said, appreciate the support. We'll see y'all soon. Have a good night. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man-children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic and selfish and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace. Thank you.